Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse, Golf Monty's weekly look at the various different events around the world in golf. Today we predict our European and US Ryder Cup teams with six months to go until Whistling Straits. Hi, I'm Nick Doherty, and you're listening to the Golf Monthly Clubhouse podcast. The Clubhouse is brought to you by Titleist, the number one ball in golf, and the most played golf ball at the Honda Classic, with 70% of the field putting one in play at PJ National, including winner Matt Jones. For more information, head to titleist.co.uk. Hello, and welcome to the Clubhouse. My name is Tom Clark, and this week, for once, I'm joined by Elliot Heath. How are you doing, Elliot? Hey Tom, yeah I'm good. Uh, seven days now until we can get back out onto the course. Sun is shining so the courses are going to be recovering from a, a difficult winter period. Uh, yeah, all, all pretty good actually. How are you? Yeah, good. Uh, for once the sun is also shining here um, as well in over in sunny Essex and uh, yeah it feels it feels summery and there's a few things which I hadn't realised. Well firstly it, it does, the, the weather definitely improving. I cut my lawn at the weekend for the first time so that was exciting, um, and it wasn't too wet. So that means the golf course shouldn't be too wet as well. But one thing I hadn't realised about golf's return is that the clocks change as well this coming Sunday. So actually, we've got the lighter evening straight away as well, which is a, an added bonus, isn't it? Yeah, it's always the, the best day of the year for a golfer when the clocks change. Uh, it just signals the summer, doesn't it, and the start of the season and golf after work, like little nine holes here and there. So, uh, yeah, yes. Um, it, there's a lot of positives after what has been a, a difficult time. I, I know I keep saying we've been very patient and our patience is going to be rewarded, hopefully, with a brilliant next few months. Yeah, I, I can't wait. And it's going to be great. People are going to be able to really hit the fairways Um when the course is open and you're going to be able to get, get a tea time from as early as like 7am till as late as what? When's it going to be sunset? You probably could tee off at half three, four, couldn't you? Yeah, Maybe. yeah, if you're quick, that'd be fine. So uh, that's great. It's going to be brilliant. People are going to be able to hit the fairways hard and uh, and enjoy themselves. And we can't wait, can we? And we're nearly there. You know, all the, all the negativity, all the everyone feeling a bit depressed about it, we're a week away then hopefully we can we can move, really move on. Yeah, and more importantly, from that date, we'll be two weeks away from when we can have a beer after golf with like your usual four balls. So that is what I'm really excited about. And, and actually, I've had some good news lately because my local pub was closing down, but within a week, they got new owners. So um, it, it's been a very dry start to 2021 for me. And I think it's all going to stop in March, uh, sorry, in April when... Um, yeah, the, the rules change. I, I just cannot wait to get onto that patio after playing 18 holes, have a beer, add up the scores, have a bit of banter, see, you know, my friends and my dad, just socialise. The weather's going to be nice. Uh, it's what dreams are made of, isn't it? Yeah, it's going to be great. And um, I, I'm completely opposite to you. I, I've drunk way more than I used to do. Uh, this, I'll be honest with you, but that's just dealing with homeschooling. So, um, yeah, loads of. Did you get up to anything else over the weekend? Um, yeah, I, I binged watched Formula One Drive to Survive, like I was telling you. Season three came out. It's for those who don't know, it's an incredible Netflix documentary following the sport of Formula One. Um, and yeah, it's something I wish golf had, to be honest, because 
you know, you know all the drivers, you know all the ins and outs, you see the behind the scenes stuff. It's absolutely fantastic. And it's sort of a show that I, um, I've watched both the first two seasons twice. So I think I'll go and watch this one again. Um, it just makes Formula One look so cool. It makes, you know, you, you really appreciate the drivers and how difficult it is and, and how it's such a team sport. And um, yeah, we just don't get to see that in golf. Like the personalities, like I know all the drivers now. I feel better than I know most golfers. So um, yeah, I'd really recommend watching that. So here's a question for you then. If they were going to do a Netflix documentary on someone in golf, who would be the one that you'd like for them to uh, film? Well, funny enough, I was actually, I was sort of thinking this and imagining it because I don't believe that the PGA Tour would allow this because it's um, a bit more strict, whereas on Formula One, they, there's lots of swearing, they go behind all the controversies and it kind of seems like there's no off-limits. So I think it would be quite a nice fit with the European Tour. Um, and I don't know, maybe someone like John Rahm, just go back to, to uh, Bilbao or Baraka, Spain, in the Basque region, see what it's like for him, um, go back to his local club, see his local coach, his family, how hard he works, like that sort of thing. Because we don't really get to see that, and and especially the wider audience don't get to see that. Like, for example, my sister was watching it this weekend with her husband, and she has no interest in sport whatsoever. So um, Netflix really is a, an area where perhaps non-golfers could get involved as well, and maybe start to appreciate the sport a bit more as well. I, yeah, absolutely. I think there's a chance for that. I, I'd love to see one of these things with Bryson DeChambeau and yeah, yeah. following his, his cra- the craziness that goes on with his preparation, uh, trying to get more and more speed, how much he's eating, you know, <laughs> all the science behind it as well. Oh, I'd, I'd, I'd love that. I think that would be really, really fascinating and uh, really entertaining as well because he's an entertaining, if not slightly odd, character so um yeah i think that would be a great idea we should pitch it pitch it quick ring netflix up <laughs> yeah uh, also um carlos Sainz, the new ferrari driver who was at mclaren was um playing golf in mallorca and i've actually played the course he was playing at which is son severa which is where uh, rafael nadal is a member as well so it's pretty cool to see carlos Sainz and carlos Sainz uh, senior play a, a nice little round of golf i think i've been near there is that where near where where Rafa Nadal's uh, tennis thing is? Tennis school. Yeah, yeah, it must be. But we were on a cricket tour in Mallorca, as ever, and uh, we had a day off. And me and my wife and my mate and his wife decided to go to. There's lots of caves in Mallorca, and there's one where they they play an orchestra in these caves. And it's really really atmospheric. But we got very very drunk the night before, and. Being hung over in a cave is one of the worst experiences of my life. Um, so, but yeah, that was uh, probably just around the corner from where uh, he was playing golf. Slight aside there, but uh, yeah, it was. Um, don't don't drink if you're going caving the next day. Would be my uh, my top tip. Uh, anyway, from that, which people will probably never use that advice ever, but you know, it's out there now. Let's talk about the golf and. Um, it was the Honda Classic at the weekend. Uh, Matt Jones won his second PJ Tour title and his first in seven years. He won by five strokes at PJ National with Brandon Haggy second place. Jones, who also won the 2019 Australian Open, is up to 49th in the world now. Now, let's face it, we've had some fantastic weekends of golf in the last 
uh, month or so. Been really excited, really enjoyed watching the golf on Sunday night. And unfortunately, the Honda Classic, it didn't live up to the rest of those other tournaments that we've had, did it? No, I watched a bit on Thursday and Friday, like the featured group stuff during the day. Uh, turned it on Sunday evening, saw Matt Jones was five ahead with the back nine to go and just thought, no, I'm, I'm going to turn Formula One Drive to Survive back on. But uh, yeah, I saw the highlights. He seems, well, uh, we, we know he's a very good player. He's won before. I remember watching him hit the ball out of a sponsor's tent, if you ever remember that. I think that was during like the PGA Championship or something. But uh, yeah, very fast golfer. Um, up into the world's top 50 now, so great for him. But yeah, let's face it, this event just got completely steamrolled by what was around it. Obviously, like we had the Players' Championship last week, the Genesis before that, and some other big events. Then we've got the WGC this week. So, uh, yeah, a bit of a shame, really, because it's a fantastic event on a really good golf course. But, um, yeah, just sort of got sandwiched, didn't it, by much bigger events. Yeah, it's it, that's, that's exactly it. it. You know, the Players' was last week. Um, we've got the WGC match play coming this week. That we know the WGC match play is really tough on the players. If you're going to win it, you need to, to play seven rounds of golf. You know, it's really tough on them. So they need a break. And it is a shame because it's, it is, it can be a fantastic event, the Honda, on a really, really good golf course. Um, it just, it was no star names, was there? There was, uh, you know, I know there was, there was some interest, but, um, and it's, I'm not blaming Matt Jones at all, who I thought played absolutely superbly, really, conquered the course you know shooting 61 in that final first round 61 around that golf course is, is ridiculous scoring isn't it so he played very very well but it's it was just a bit of a damp squib wasn't it and um i didn't really enjoy it i mean also i you know jb holmes was in the final group who's you know not the most exciting of golfers and he's also chopping it he shot 79 in the final <laughs> final round um you know and yeah, he wasn't very excited, but uh, Matt Jones, fair play to him. He was he was brilliant inside the top fifty again, which is a great effort. I don't think he's been in the top fifty since um, twenty fifteen. His best ever ranking was forty first. He's now forty ninth. So, so fair play to him. He's, he's playing very solid golf, isn't he? Yeah, it must be. Um, yeah, forty first was his best, wasn't it? So really up there in his career. Uh, he went down to the Corn Ferry Tour as well. So. Um, been a, a bit of a journeyman, but he's had some fantastic success. And to be fair, it's actually very harsh for me to call the 2019 Australian Open winner a journeyman. So I apologise for that. But um, won some big events, had some struggles and, and good seeing back. He's clearly a, a very good golfer. And uh, I loved, I saw some clips where he, he was standing over the ball and hitting it within five seconds compared to JB Holmes, who was getting some criticism for his slow play. So, uh, yeah, I'm all for people um, pulling the trigger so quickly. Yeah, Matt Jones actually won the Australian Open twice, 2015 and 2019. But, I mean, J.B. Holmes, you know what the most annoying thing about J.B. Holmes is when he hits a putt, <laughs> if he doesn't hold it, it takes him about an hour to go and tap it in. Just go and do it, mate. He starts, he starts like, oh, God, oh, missed another one. Oh, blimey. He just wanders over aimlessly. It's like, get on with it, mate. I mean, we don't, you know, it, when he plays golf, when he's playing really good golf he's he's a very good golfer but christ come on get on with it 
he's very, very frustrating. That was one of the things which put me off, actually, on Sunday night. Before they even started playing, I was like, oh, Matt Jones is probably going to win this. And he's playing with JB Holmes. I'm not really excited by anybody. So it's a, it's a shame that, that what is has been a very good event in the past was kind of rather let down. And I wonder if it's going to stay in that, that positioning in the schedule for the future because yeah i think i think it's it's let down by by where it is but let's face it very good performance by matt james wasn't it yeah i think honda is the tour's longest running sponsor as well i heard so surely the the execs there will will be on the phone to the pga tour and be like look the viewing figures i would imagine were, were quite bad um is there anything we can do to try and elevate this once great event yeah exactly so, before we finish up on the Honda Classic, we need to talk about another great week for Titleist. Not only was it the number one driver, fairway, utility, hybrid, iron and wedge at PJ National, but 101 of the 144 player field also had a Titleist golf ball in play. No surprise to hear then that winner Matt Jones was himself gaming a new Titleist TSI 2 driver and TSI 3 fairway, in addition to a Pro V1 golf ball all helping Australian to gain more than 14 strokes tee to green over the four rounds in Florida, the most of any player at this event since shot link tracking began 15 years ago. No wonder, he said after the round, that's the best I've hit it tee to green forever. Head to titleist.co.uk to find out more about the number one golf ball and driver on the PJ Tour. There was also a Titleist winner in Kenya where Justin Harding won his second European Tour title. The South African beat Kitayama by two strokes at Karen Country Club. Harding moves up to the 121st in the world and the European Tour remains in Kenya this week. Now, the European Tour had a few issues this week, didn't they? Um, with the coverage, they they didn't really have any coverage of the first three rounds, did they? No, uh, quite a big surprise because I can't really remember this ever happening before, but they blamed logistical difficulties, I believe. Uh, so, yeah, European Tour productions couldn't get any broadcasting out live um, in America, in Europe, anywhere across the world. So, yeah, there's been no real detailing of what the logistical difficulties were. But uh, from what I've seen on Twitter, it seemed like there were some some serious difficulties behind the scenes and, and the guys worked very, very hard just to get round four coverage, uh, which obviously us golf fans don't really get to see. But, yeah, we really appreciate all the broadcast teams and um, it was fantastic to see the final round because I thought it was much more entertaining <laughs> than the PGA Tour, and, and I love the golf course. So, um, yeah, hopefully we, c- we can see all four days of this week's action. Yeah, I think that's the thing which let it down. Actually, it's a really spectacular place. Um, there was good competition going on. I think a very good winner in Justin Harding. You know, he didn't have a great 2020, but he's, you know, he's, he's someone that's been on our radar for a while. He won the Qatar Masters in 2019. He's won, he's been prolific in Asia and Africa, uh, and he's, he's one of my, my go-to bets, and I actually had money on him for once, and I forgot I had money on him until I checked my <laughs> betting account on Sunday night. It's like, whoa, hang on a minute, I've 100 quid here. Because um, I did have money on Scott Hend, and I was I was obsessing around Scott Hend, who's one of my favourite players, as people may know that. Uh, he was leading after two rounds, he was up there after three rounds, and then unfortunately fell away on Sunday. So I was like, oh, Scotty Hens, let me, you know, he hasn't quite got it done. Um, but then I completely forgot I actually had money on the winner. So that was nice. I think Sam also picked Harding to win as well in the betting tips, didn't he? Yeah, so uh, a really good week for the Golf Monthly betting tips. We had Max Homer as well at Riviera 
probably four or five weeks ago now. So uh, we should be well up for 2021 so far. And yeah, if you guys want to get involved with our tips, just go to the Golf Monthly website on the, the drop-down menu from tips. There will be betting tips and uh, from sort of Tuesday to Wednesday, they'll, they'll be on the homepage as well. So yeah, check the website to see who we're going for this week. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, you can just Google it and uh, our, our posts are usually at the top of Google. So check them out. Or of course, check us out on our social media at Golf Monthly on Twitter and Instagram and Golf Monthly Magazine on Facebook. Um, and they're back. They're still in Kenya again this week. And we'll come on to uh, our thoughts on the events this week with a few big ones to talk about in a little while. But before that, we are going to go through our Ryder Cup picks, who we think are going to be in the teams in six months' time. But before the Ryder Cup is, of course, the Open Championship in July. And to mark the tournament's return, Season 3 of the Open Podcast launches today. Episode 1 is on the incredible 2019 Open at Royal Port Rush. Me and Elliot were lucky enough to be there. Uh, and here's a couple of snippets featuring Tommy Fleetwood and Shane Lowry discussing their nerves before the final round. You're kind of driving away on a Saturday night and you're about to sleep with knowing like I'm as close as I've ever been to like achieving my biggest dream in a way. And um, it's like a surreal moment that you just take in for a little bit and you have to go and eat and then you have to sleep and then you have to wake up the next day and have however many hours because it's a late tea time. But I think it's something that still sticks with me now knowing like, at that point, um, you know, I'm a day, I'm a day away. I've played golf all my life, and I'm a day away in this close. I'm about to go in the last group of an open with, yeah, I'm four behind, but I've never been this close before to um, potentially achieving something that, um, again, like the greatest of the game have achieved. But like, just in my own mind, is like my dream tournament to win. So it's um, it's cool. Like, and you sit back and you take it in and that. It's very, very cool. And the kids did a good job of, like, staying pretty quiet as well. They weren't, like, ruining the uh, <laughs> ruining the moment. I woke up that morning. I didn't eat breakfast. I did a little nibble for lunch. Like, I wasn't able to. And Bo kept on saying to me, he said, you may eat something. We're on the course. And I said, I can't. I'm, like, physically sick. All I can think about is standing on the 18 green with a claret jug in my hands. And that's way ahead of myself where I shouldn't be and I kept I sent that to boy I said boy you keep, need to keep talking to me like you need to keep me in the moment and keep me focused on the next shot because I am away with the fairies here I'm gone like because I look I knew how big it was going to be if I and obviously I, I'm so fortunate I got to experience that but I knew that this was like going to be one of the biggest things ever if I got to pull this off there's no in between here today like it's either going to be one of the greatest days of my life or it's probably going to be one of the worst so there you go. That's a little bit of um, a preview and a little uh, aperitif, perhaps, before the Open in July, which we're all really excited about. You know, having a year off in the Open, which never really happened, has really meant that I'd, I'd actually forgotten a little bit about what had happened at uh, Portrush. So it's great to hear from Lowry and Fleetwood. And they're two guys who could potentially be on the European Ryder Cup team at the end of September. And with six months to go, until the uh, matches at Whistling Straits, we're going to have a little chat about who we think are going to be in the teams. Elliot, you go ahead. Yeah, well, um, we've both picked the exact same US team, which I was surprised by, and our European teams are very, very similar as well. So uh, my team is John Rahm, Tyrrell Hatton, Rory McIlroy, Victor Hovland, Matt Fitzpatrick, Paul Casey, 
Lee Westwood, Tommy Fleetwood, Sergio Garcia, Justin Mraes, Francesco Molinari, and Ian Poulter. So I've mine's exactly the same as the first nine. Ram Hatton, McElroy, Hobland, Fitzpatrick, Katie, Westwood, Fleetwood, Garcia, Rose. But then I've gone for Perez and Lowry, uh, who we heard just a moment ago. Um, so Elliot, I think we're we've got we're very, very on the same level here. I mean, Rose, Rose at the moment is one that needs to have some work done, doesn't he? Um, he needs to improve his game a little bit, but I can't see Justin Rose not being in a Ryder Cup team, especially in America. I think that would be that would be a mistake, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think so. Also, what I've learned from being a, a golf fan for this long is that I don't really think that form matters too much. Like. In um, in Paris, it showed it as well. Like we could have gone for Wallace, we could have gone for Rafa Cabrera or, or other people that were informed, but instead Bjorn went for experience. And really, does it matter what your last nine months of results have been like when you're going to go and play 18 holes in the Ryder Cup? It's really what you come up with on that day. And I think that's why I, I like the look of Rose. I like the look of Poulter because yeah, they might not be in as good form as some other Europeans who are a bit younger, but get Poulter in a Ryder Cup on the first tee, he's going to deliver, isn't he? So, um, yeah, that, that's what I would go for. But what I would say is that my team, looking at it, has a rookie in Victor Hovland. And that's it. And that's it. So I would say my team is incorrect because um, I know yeah. that Harrington wants rookies. And, um, yeah, you need more than one rookie, don't you? But I just can't leave out Molinari. I can't leave out Poulter. So <laughs> it's going to be tough. No, I mean, it, it is going to be tough. I mean, I, I think about two months ago, if we'd, we'd been picking these teams a few months ago, say, actually, maybe maybe before November. But Westwood's come in when we probably didn't think originally that he was going to be in that team. We probably thought well, he's going to be a captain or vice-captain. But his form has been better than anybody else, really, in the world. Uh, so you've got to pick Westwood at the moment. Um you know, he's probably not going to need to be picked. He's just going to he's going to be there, isn't he? He's going to qualify automatically, um, and he's. I think that that experience is really strong. You look at that that European team. You you think of the leaders which are which are in there. You know, you've got Rory, you've got Casey, Westwood, Fleetwood. I'd say is a leader. Garcia, Rose. I mean, that's a lot of really strong experience in that team, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So. I don't know, maybe are we going to have fewer rookies this year? In fact, are we only going to have one? We know how good rookies are, but we know how good experience players are as well. So, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see. But I would say I do like your two picks there of Perez and Lowry. I think perhaps the final two spots that we've said anyway are between Molinari, Poulter, Perez and Lowry. Um, at the moment, Perez is on the team, but obviously it's still a very long way to go. But... Yeah, I, I think that's it. I think Perez is actually, he's going to qualify. That's why I feel he's, he's 30th in the world now, or whatever it is, 33rd, I think. You know, he's top 10 at the players. He's got he's going to be in every major. You know, he's going to have that big chance to to get all the points that he needs to um to, to qualify automatically. I just I just think he's gonna qualify for the team. I don't think he needs a pick. You know, I think the pick so the European team, let's let's just clear this up. The European team have nine automatic places and three wild cards. So at the moment my wild cards would probably be I think Rose is probably going to need a wild card. Lowry probably at the moment 
I mean, this is obviously before the majors are played, so this could completely change. And then who's going to be on the cusp? I don't know who's going to be on the cusp. It might be Sergio, um, I think, at the moment, who I don't think is in the team yet, is he? Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if they're, they're the three that need that need maybe a pick. Um, and in those three, there's two two absolute legends of Ryder Cups. You know, Garcia, all-time leading point scorer. Played a lot of golf in America. Can't leave him out. Uh, Rose has been fantastic. Very strong player in the last few Ryder Cups. Got to keep you know, a lot of experience in America. He's got to play. Lowry's been playing a lot in America. Open champion for 2019. Get him in. He's also having, you know, he's Irish as well. Harrington's going to want an Irishman on that team, isn't he? Yeah, and he's not just Irish as well. He's also one of Patrick Harrington's best mates. So, yeah, I've thought it for a very long time, but I think Lowry would get a pick. So, yeah, what yeah. do you think about Molinari and Poulter then? Yeah, I mean, Molinari, let's face it, he was the he's pretty much the world's best golfer in 20, um, 20, what, 18? Yeah. Yeah, he was amazing, but he's had issues. He's had injury issues. He's had a bit of form issues. He's changed where he's living, so he's living in California now, and he's he's just not playing well enough at the moment. Um, if he gets back to it, then of course he's going to have a, have a big chance. But he's he's not playing well enough to be in that team, in my opinion. He's um, had three top tens from six starts this year, though, on the PGA Tour. That that's showing some real good signs of positivity. Yeah, absolutely. And let's hope that keep you know that keeps moving forward um he's because he's, he's going to have to do it isn't he but he needs he needs a good showing in um in a major i'd say you know you, you say he's had those three top tens but then he's he missed a couple of players he's missed a couple of uh, arnold palmer you know he's had we saw that video of him topping it off the first tee whenever that was um <laughs> as well you know he didn't he doesn't look completely right so out of his six starts he's had three sorry two missed cuts and a 59th place which is more or less a miscut and three top 10 so you know he just seems to be not that consistent self yet now that may suddenly change around and we know we saw how well he played um in 2018 he was, he was brilliant and don't forget he was leading he, he looked like he was going to win the masters in 2019 as well didn't it until t- the tigers masters until he had that that issue on 15 was that where he had an issue when he went in the uh, water. Yeah, he hit it in the water on 12 and then yeah. hit it in the water again on 15. Yeah, got so tigered. He got tigered. So, um, <laughs> you know, he was, he, was, he was playing very, very well for that, you know, for, for, for a good 18 months, two years. So, um, he's, yeah, he's 95th in the world now. Yeah, he, he's had issues, let's face it. He only played seven times last year. He's had injuries, all this stuff. So, um, let's he, he needs to play some golf. And I think he's the kind of player... If he plays some goals, get get some rhythm. I wouldn't be surprised if he suddenly uh, comes flying back. Um, but yeah, we'll have to wait and see on that. Um, so yeah, and, and Poulter again, he's he's you know he's been such a talisman um, for Europe. Let's, let's face it, he's going to be there. We don't know whether he, is he going to be a player or is he going to be a captain. Again, he's his form's not been great this year. He's played in seven events, four missed cuts. Best finish of 18th at Saudi. You know, there's nothing really standing out there, is it? Um, unfortunately, um, you know, very good player. We know what he can do at Ryder Cup. He's got the incredible short game. But I think it, at the moment, it feels like a push. I feel like there's there's people who are going to be ahead of him. 
that's it basically. He he's in he's he's definitely in that top fifteen players, but there's only twelve there's only twelve spots, isn't there? So it's it's tricky, isn't it? Yeah. Um yeah, there is a feeling I felt this last time before Paris that I don't know, maybe it's just one one Ryder Cup too many for Poulter. But then he always comes out and surprises us, doesn't he? But um if we're just going on how he started twenty twenty one, you would have to say Molinari is in better form. Molinari went five and five only two two and a half years ago. Molinari's got a fantastic partnership with Tommy Fleetwood. So yeah, maybe those two will be battling it out. But um yeah, just talking about Lowry there, I can imagine a foursomes partnership with Lowry and McElroy. I love that. Um and then Perez as well, I think he could be a, a sneaky I said this tonight, I a sneaky beast wild card who um like I don't know, Nicholas Colsarts or something who just comes out of the blocks and plays incredible golf. So um yeah, it's gonna be really tough. I think it's a really strong European team. Whoever gets that pick, I mean, we, there's there's people that we're not talking about here. Stenson, who's just moved, just fallen out of the world's top 100. Him and Rose have had this great partnership, but um, at the moment he doesn't seem to be close to the form. Wallace, who was very close to getting picked last time, he's not showing form. Wiesberger, Willett, Peters, Norren, Norren's got surely got to be uh, someone that we ch- chat about. Um, Cabrera Bello as well. You know, there's loads of very good players, and that's without even thinking of people like Hogard, Rosno, who won the other week, Andy Sullivan, who had a good 2020. There's there's lots of people um, that we could be talking about. So let us know who your European Ryder Cup team would be. We know it's going to change up, but I think those teams, but either one of them, um, look very strong on paper. Very talented, informed golfers, some exciting golfers, but also a lot of very good experience as well. So um, I think the European team are in a in a pretty decent spot, aren't they? Yeah, definitely. Um, we know how good USA are in the world rankings. We know that they'll be favourites. We know that they'll probably be hyped up as always as the best US Ryder Cup team of all time. But you look at the European team, you look at the potential partnerships, the experience, the camaraderie between them. And I don't really think you can say either team is favourite for this match. Yeah, that's it. So let's move on to the US, which, as Elliot said at the start, amazingly, we both picked the same team, didn't we? Which is unheard of. Um, And the US have got a completely different system. Is this right? They've got six automatics and six wildcards. Yeah. Which Which seems a bit odd to me, to be honest with you. But the team we've gone for, Dustin Johnson, Justin Thomas... Colin Morikawa, Bryson DeChambeau, Xander Schofley, Patrick Reed, uh, Patrick Cantley, Webb Simpson, Brooks Kepka, Tony Finau, Daniel Berger, and Jordan Spieth. Now, is there, it, you know, is, what's the biggest question mark about this team? Um, for me, it's got two question marks. The first would be Brooks Kepka. Uh, it struggled with injury massively the last sort of two and a half years. So, just had knee surgery, hasn't he, at the weekend? Or yeah, the on his week. other knee as well. So before it was his left knee, now it's his right knee. He's had hip problems as well. So uh, he obviously had to withdraw from the President's Cup as well. So yeah, if Kepka's fit, he's well, probably the second or third name on the team. But if he's still struggling with injury, then he's going to have to rely on a wild card uh, and somehow prove to the captain that he's fit. Uh, and then also... Daniel Berger, perhaps. I, I thought Matt Wolf was fantastic last year. And maybe six months ago, I would have picked Matt Wolf ahead of Daniel Berger. So, um, yeah, still a long time to go. But I think 
I think, that's a, I think that's a little harsh on Daniel Berger. World number 15. You know, he, he's playing very well. You know, he was he's had another good week at the players. He's top 10. He won the, Pro, the Pebble Beach Pro-Am a month ago. You know, I think Daniel Berger should be one of the, the you know, one of the go-to picks. Surely he's 15th in the world. He was up as high as 13th. There's only 12 spots. And there's, there's not just Americans in the top 15 in the world, is there? I think Daniel Berger should be definitely in the team. Well, that's why I put him in my team. So I've, you know, <laughs> been very nice to him there. But um, his negatives, I guess you would say, he kind of went off the, the face of the earth for a few years. So is this just a wonderful run of form he's on? Or is he going to be a sustained sort of world's top 15, top 10 player? We don't know. And we will know more about that in six months. But at the moment, yeah, you'd have to say he, he'd be on the team. I think the, the one name that we need to mention, Jordan Spieth, who we've picked. You know, he's he's done well in in Ryder Cups in the past. This time last year, and before, if if the Ryder Cup had happened last year, I don't think Spieth would have played uh, because his form was so poor. But he's had a renaissance, hasn't he? This um, this year, he's had three top tens from six events, and he's just been playing a lot better, hasn't he? Yeah, he's reminded us of what a phenomenal player he is. And if you remember, in, in 2018, he actually uh, wasn't one of the first names on the team there either. I think he was in pretty bad form. And he was the second highest scorer, I believe, with like maybe three points. And Justin Thomas had four. So, yeah, Speed and Thomas is a fantastic partnership. Speed and Reed was a fantastic partnership up until uh, Spieth didn't want to play with Reed, as, as he said at the Ryder Cup. So, yeah, I would have to put Spieth as a, as a locked-in pick, I think. I, I think that that's absolutely right. And that the matchups that Spieth has, you know, him and Dustin Thomas are the best mates, you know, they've they showed in Paris. They were by far the, the most, most impressive performers in Paris, where other people may be let down. And that's one thing I was kind of thinking, this USA team needs to be looked at. Where are the leaders in this USA team? We've looked at the Europeans. We've seen that there's Westwood Garcia, Rose, McElroy, you know, Ram, you know, people who have got experience and who probably will lead from the front, will shout out and pull anybody up in the team and make sure everyone's working together. I don't feel that the USA have got those people in this team. Uh, no, I, I would actually agree with you. I would say maybe Justin Thomas. Yeah, I think, I think it DJ's... might be Thomas and Spieth because DJ's going to probably keep to himself. Morikawa's going to be a rookie. Doesn't seem to be that extrovert a player. Uh, Bryson maybe takes that mantle on, but Bryson's, you always think, quite interested in looking after himself and his game. Chauflay quiet you'd think Patrick Reed again usually someone who has to just look after himself and we we know that he you know he does rub up people the wrong way sometimes Cantley seems quite quiet Simpson quiet Kepka although he can say things in press conferences I don't know whether he'd say that in a team room Finau quite quiet Berger quite quiet it's that's the biggest issue isn't it there's no Mickelson there that's the thing there's there's no Mickelson there's no Tiger. There's no Furyk. You know, is it? they're going to have to really look at their captains, I think, to look after that side, aren't they? Yeah, um, of course. People have 
have said things about Patrick Reed. Brooks Kepka has said things about other pe- people on the team, especially uh, Bryson. Um, Kepka and DJ were apparently involved in a fight last time as well. So uh, I don't think that's true, but reports got out to the media. So yeah, it, it's an unsettled U- US team, I think. And that's definitely an advantage for the Europeans. Again, that we've got leaders, we've got camaraderie. Does the US team have that? Um, only time will tell. Yeah, and it might be a case of, you know, what actually they just, they've got a very, very talented team there. I mean, let's face it, that is a very strong team with major winners in it. Um, people who've won multiple times on the PJ Tour, they're going to be on home home turf. I think Steve Stricker will be a good captain, um, someone who seems to have his head very firmly on his shoulders and he'll he'll know the course. And obviously he's he's um, a home man, uh, being from Wisconsin where the, where the Ryder Cup's been played. So I think that's really going to be the battle. You know, on paper, if you're just looking on paper, golfer to golfer, you'd say, although it's not that far apart, you'd say the American team have got the strongest team on paper. I don't think there's any doubt in that. But as a team working together, I think that European team looks really strong. And I think the USA are going to have a real fight on their hands. Yeah, couldn't agree more. We thought last time's team was one of the best US teams of all time. And they lost by about eight points, I think. So, um, yeah, (laughs) it's just got me so excited for the Ryder Cup because it is the complete best thing in golf. And um yeah hopefully it happens this year i'm sure it will and and hopefully there'll be fans there as well absolutely so check out everything to do with with everything in golf of course at at the golf monthly website but particularly the Ryder cup as we as we start moving towards that we've got a lot of great golf between then and now but those um every every major this year kind of does it kind of counts even more because of the Ryder Cup points which are on offer um, and the opportunities for someone to have a great summer and to then get on a Ryder Cup team, which um, which will be great. And let's hope there's fans. You know, there's there's been news, of course, coming out this this past week about the Olympics and there not being any uh, international travelling fans allowed at the Olympics. So um, we'll have to uh, hope that that doesn't also... Um, mean that the Ryder Cup has the same fate, although it is a little bit later on and um, is in America. So we'll have to wait and see. So, uh, But fingers crossed we get a good Ryder Cup this year. And uh, as you say, I'm really excited about it. But let's look ahead to this week where there is another big tournament. It's the WGC Match Play, one of my favourite tournaments of the year. Um, again, at a great course, Austin Country Club returns to our screens after the event was cancelled due to COVID-19 last year. Kevin Kisner defends the title he won two years ago. Tiger Woods, Gary Woodland, Brooks Kepka, Justin Rose and Adam Scott are the only qualified players who are not teeing up. Why is Justin Rose not playing? That's so frustrating. Um, Injured, probably. Yeah, but, yeah perhaps. Uh, the, feature, uh, the field features all 10 of the world's top 10. Um, so this is a this is a I really like this event. I really like this course. That lovely bridge. I was going. I talked to my mates about it last night. <laughs> Amazing bridge, which they show in almost every ten seconds. Um, but it's um, it's spectacular setting, and it's a chance for some spectacular golf, isn't it? We've seen um, there's big changes in elevation, and uh, we've seen some big big drives going on there. So Bryson must be really uh, be uh, warming up. He'll be he'll be going for everything, won't he? Oh, yeah, I didn't think about Bryson. Yeah, there's always that hole. Maybe it's like 13 or something, the par five, where 
players drive it like over 400 yards so <laughs> could see that but yeah I think we really needed good match play this year because the last two unfortunately have failed to to live up to, to the hype we had Kisner and Kuta in the final last time we had Bubba Watson and Kisner the, the time before that and then the year before that it was DJ and Ram and that was a fantastic match so um yeah I'm sure it'd be great this week but I'm not a massive fan of the course, unlike you. So um, I, I can't really say I'm too excited. But yeah, we'll, we'll find out, won't we? Yeah, and uh, as we recall this, I think the um, the brackets, as they were, are, are still being sorted out. But it's a big event, isn't it? It starts on Wednesday. Let's make, make sure people are aware of that. It starts on Wednesday, not Thursday. They're drawn into groups of four, and then they play each other uh, one once a day. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Then we have the round of 16, as they call it, and quarterfinals on the Saturday, and then the semifinals and the final on the on the Sunday. So, you know, we have those first three days where we've got loads of people playing all the time. We've got all these great golfers, and then that suddenly gets shrunk down quite quickly. And as you say, the semifinal and the final can sometimes be boring. If it's a boring match, it's a boring... You know, if it's very one-sided or the golf's not great, it's sometimes not that exciting. But um, as you say, if you have a good matchup, if something like DJ versus Ram or something like that, you know, let's have, we, we've just been talking about the Ryder Cup. Let's have a Europe versus America final. That's that's obviously very, very exciting. And and uh, the course, I think, is, is set up well uh, for some exciting golf um, if, if players are matched. So um, who do you think is best placed without looking at any brackets, which haven't been done yet, at the moment anyway, um, who do you think is best placed to have a good week? Uh, I will go for John Rahm, best golfer in the world. Hasn't got off to the, the best start in 2021, albeit he's still um, posted some, some very solid results. So, yeah, I'm really waiting for John Rahm to sort of ignite this year, maybe win a major or two. Um, uh, and possibly win his first WGC this week. So, yeah, um, I'm a massive John Rahm fan. And, uh, yeah, I, I just love his game. I love his putting. I love his competitiveness. So, uh, yeah, that's my pick. So, John Rahm is about 14 to 1 at the moment. So, um, decent price. I think that's a decent pick, to be honest with you. I think he's a good match player as well, isn't he? So, um, I, I it's, it's one of those, it's really tricky. I always think with match play, who do you want? Do you want the good drivers? Of course, you want to, you know, they get themselves in the hole and they can win that. But it's the sh- it's the guys with a great short game, which I always think have such a, an advantage in match play. You know, when the pressure's on that, they can hold those uh, those important parts. So I I like Tyrrell Hatton. Been playing very well. He's quite long priced this week, thirty five to one. Um, I I really like his chances. Um, and in the same breath, I also want to mention two of the guys we spoke about earlier Spieth and Reed as well they're both 25 to 1 you know they've both got very good short game and they've both been playing very well so there's a there's a few picks from me um anybody else that you wanted to mention um no not particularly um but you saying that actually has got me quite excited this week for a bit of match play maybe Victor Hovland I, I mean he's one of the world's best players isn't he and what you're saying there about driving, I think that's so important in match play because if, like me, if, if you're slicing it into the trees every time, which happens to me in match play all the time, and your opponent's down the fairway, you're just always struggling to, to try and get a half. So um, we know how good Victor is, Tita Green. 
yeah, he's he's probably a nightmare to play in match play. He's uh, obviously won the US Amateur in 2019 at Pebble Beach. Yeah, Victor or Ram, they're, they're my two. Cool. And talking of victors, we spoke about Victor Perez already. 125 to 1 this week. That seems long to me. And what about Shane Lowry? 110. And what about Ian Poulter? 100 to 1. There's massive odds this week. So really big, big opportunity. Matthew Wolf, 100 to 1. That seems long to me. So um, there's some, I think, some lot of good value out there. It's a tough, tough week on the golfers. If they're going to win this, they need to play seven rounds of golf. They could, yeah, they could end up how many, how many rounds, how many holes potentially is that? A lot, over 100. So um, let's, yeah, let's let's see how that how that that goes. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, check out our betting tips of who we think are going to win once we've done a bit of a stats analysis and we've seen the seen the brackets. Um, we'll have a look at that and ch- check out who we go for uh, by going to the Golf Monthly website, golfmonthly.com, or of course googling it and clicking on our posts. There's also the Corrales Punta Resort and Club Championship on the PJ Tour and the Kenya Savannah Classic on the European Tour. Um, this week as well so there's loads and loads of golf to be entertained with and we'll have betty tips on all of them won't we elliot um well yeah sure 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 <laughs> we will just um google golf betting tips guys and uh, we'll be there for you yep and the ken so back in kenya kurt kitiyama and justin harding are playing again most of the people who played last week are playing again this week so there's a chance to, sh- to see who's got a bit of course form um or it could be someone who's just uh come out of nowhere after a bad week and, and gets really um really into it so check out that and um it's always good i always like having another pj tour event at the same time as the wgc because it means whatever happens on sunday there there will be someone playing for something in a 72 hole tournament right there yeah the corrales Punta resort and club championship was actually very good last year uh it was played sometime between September and the new year. So it was in this current season. So it's been playing twice in one season. Hudson Swafford won it. Very impressive performance in a lot of wind, actually. So, um, yeah, the, the course looks really nice there. A, a very nice resort that us recreational golfers can aspire to go to on holiday. So, yeah, a quite a good event. And uh, it's actually a shame that it's going to be behind the WGC this week because it wasn't last time. Yes. Very true, but um, yeah, more more good golf, and there'll be uh, as ever a, a reasonably strong field in in those uh, all those events. So do check out all our tips, and it's been a good podcast, Elliot. Lots happening on it, so great. I hope everyone enjoyed listening. Please leave us a review if you listen on Apple Podcasts, and subscribe to us, of course, via your usual provider. And we'll be back again next week to see who survived the marathon of the WGC match play and who won in all the other events that are going on as well. So until then, Elliot, have a great week. Yeah, you too, Tom. Thanks, listeners. We may even have, yeah, we do, We should do podcasts live from the course as we see you top your first tee shot uh, <laughs> after lockdown or whatever, whatever is going to happen. But um, we'll be talking about golf's return as well. So lots of things to look out for uh, next week. Until then, we'll speak to you there. <laughs>